Change only happens when we want it and we're ready for it. Maybe it could be different. Like maybe it doesn't have to be the way I was raised or the way culture told me or the way society told me or the way movies told me. Maybe this is not what a perfect relationship looks like. I realized and recognized that I was spinning my wheels trying to do it the old way. If something here is resonating, then you're probably at a place where you're ready to at least explore an alternative way of thinking about yourself and your relationships, which mm -hmm. is beautiful. Hey guys. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show. Where we are bringing you the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and now co-host of The Selfie Show. I'm a nurse, blogger, and podcaster. And sitting across from me is the salty to my sweet. And I am Sam. I'm a flight nurse, college professor, podcaster, powerlifter, and co-host of The Selfie Show. And today we are talking off the clock about emotional intelligence. Yeah, we are getting into a... This is probably one of my most favorite episodes Ever. we've recorded. Yes. You guys are in for a real treat today. Uh, I am not emotionally intelligent and I need to be. <laughs> Dr. Shamala was... One of the most, I think this just, this episode is going to drop so many amazing insights, tips, tricks. We're talking relationships, all the things you guys are going to love today. Um, but before we get into that tip of the week. Okay. So my tip of the week for you guys this way, uh, shocker, another Netflix for you, of course. I like how you always have these Netflix ones. I haven't even watched. I, I have not watched TV once the whole month. Yeah, but you're sitting there scrolling on your on your TikTok. Yes, I've watched probably like 10 hours of TikTok yeah, a week. Yeah. <laughs> TikTok is my TV. I just like, I, I think I have ADHD because I can't focus long enough to watch a whole show. Yeah, but for me, it's like detune at night. I have if, if I did TikTok at night, I wouldn't sleep. I have no one to detune with. Mm, you like got, if I had um, someone, Rambo and Moses. They don't watch TV. Like if I had like some you know hunk to lay on the couch with and okay watch wait netflix time out what? that hunk is usually snoring and like out of it who was this <laughs> no jacob oh that your hunk i was like i don't have a hunk <laughs> yeah but at least it's like you're you're attempting uh, i don't know like so for me it's mm. like if i had somebody to like watch a show with maybe yeah. i would but it's like all right i guess i'll just I scroll through TikTok problem. and be like <laughs> 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 Okay, so this week's um, tip is murder to mercy. So this is about 16-year-old um, Centoya Brown. So she was a girl who was sentenced to life in prison after shooting um, a man. And you go through this whole backstory with her. Um, she did end up going to prison. But then you start learning about all these things in her past and essentially what happened was I'm not gonna like you're not gonna spoiler alert I'm not gonna spoiler alert but what I thought was really interesting was how they portrayed her in the beginning when she was a 16 year old girl and her initial intake and you go through this whole process with her and then to watch her as a woman I don't I think she was in prison for 24 years or something like that and then finally you go through this whole thing but what I thought was really interesting was they put a lot of light, shed a lot of light on the idea of specifically children who end up in these situations, this uh, this idea that these children just have to survive and they end up doing these bad things because of that and end up in this situation 
that is hopeless and they can't get out of. And I just think it's so interesting because I truly believe this, like our system, and I think everyone here would agree, our system is broken. So broken. It's so broken for people who have mental health issues, who come from horrible backgrounds, who just are in this life to survive. And I just think the system, and that includes the healthcare system, the healthcare system. Well, the healthcare system is like the start of it because mental health should be included in our healthcare system. 100%. And that extends to our legal system, the legal system, and just seeing how truly broken it was and how many layers that she went through to even get to the last stage of being considered. And in that last stage, just you weren't sure what was going to happen. It's just really interesting to watch her story. And her story went viral on social media um, for many reasons. And I, I, I don't know. It's just really interesting to learn about and you know, to start shifting our mindsets on people. And I think that extends to us in healthcare. Well, it starts in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. What's your tip of the week? What do you got? I mean, definitely a big swing of things. Mm. Um, I am just still on this mission to be a better version of myself or the best version of myself. And I feel like that is starting to manifest in just intentional little decisions I'm making every day of, What is going to make my day better? And I am not a morning person. I'm also like an OCD neat freak who's, I don't know, I think I have ADHD, you guys. Well, that's the thing with ADHD. (laughs) You have a super hyper focus on things. I'm so OCD. I'm like a clean freak. I like will Mr. Clean Magic eraser my walls and shit, but like I don't make my bed every day. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have that like I wake up and I've got shit to do. I'm like running late because I woke up late. I like trying to guzzle down coffee, feed my dogs and get out the door because I'm late for somewhere. And then I come home and it's like I wish my bed was made. It would put me in a better mood to see my bed made. So like those little things of like I'm trying to wake up and make my bed and just make it a habit. I love I'm that. trying to make sure that when I go to bed, I don't leave any dishes in the sink. And I'm actually like, I'm a clean person. Like you've been to my house. Mm-hmm. It's clean, but it's Always. like, that's like, I'm now having to do that thing where like I clean before someone comes over and then I'm like, oh my God, I'm sorry about the mess. <laughs> You're that girl now. cleaning for someone to come over. Okay, Jenna. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed about the mess that I just spent three hours cleaning. But if I feel like if I can just build some better habits, like how long do they say it takes like two weeks to build a habit or something? 21 days. 21 days? Fuck. Yeah. That's three weeks. 21 days. All right. 21 days of making my bed every morning. I don't know how I know that, but that, yeah, 21 days. I can do this. But I feel like those little things that you do, whether it's like, okay, I don't, my laundry lives in the dryer. I'm just going to expose myself. I feel that. That's I easy don't. To... I hate folding laundry with a passion. So I will like do my laundry. I'll put it out on my table to fold. And then I'm like, oh, man, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. <laughs> so then I throw it back in the dryer. And then I finally just give up. I don't even put it on the table. I just leave it in the dryer and I just go pull it the out when you pull need it. <laughs> need. And my dryers become an unfolded dresser. It's like embarrassing. But I'm like, all right, if I can just make it a habit to be like, OK, before I go to bed, I'm going to not have any clothes in the dryer. I'm going to fold or put away everything. Make my bed every day when I go up like 21 days. If I can just like do these little things, I feel like it's going to bring this like level of peace and organization 
to yeah. my life that I need because I'm always like being pulled in 900 directions. So I feel like a chicken with my head cut off. So I'm like those little intentional things I can do, I feel like would have a big impact. So it's a tip that I'm not doing, but I aspire to do. I love it. <laughs> I'm gonna. Yeah. 21 days. I know it's funny because we were just talking about it this morning because that is the one thing that I, I actually do try and do every morning. No, I do every morning. I know. I asked you that. I was like, do you make yeah. your bed every day? And you're like, yes. And I'm like, I knew it. Yeah. We, every time you're like, damn it. Even when, it, yeah, yeah, I do. And I used to hate making, you know, when you're a kid yeah. and your parents are like making you do it. Um, but now I'm like, I, I do think it's like that one thing I can do that really well in the morning, get my room clean. And then once that happens, it's like that sets the tone for the day. It sets your day up for success. Totally. And I don't, I like am the type that's like running out without my shoes on. <laughs> like, well, don't, okay. Don't get it twisted. Okay. First of all, on, on, okay. Work days. Let me be specific, I guess on days that I'm home. I do that. But on work days, first of all, um, I've got, you know, husband laying in the bed as I'm sprinting out the door with, you know, like everything just I'm, you know, in shambles, usually sprinting to work. But um, but on days that I'm home, I do definitely you know do. That, um, you said shambles. Derek. OK. Respiratory our, one of our good our friends. Derek. One of our good friends. So he started calling me. um Sambles like, <laughs> for being like in shambles. He's got the best ones because obviously my life has been in shambles for the last yeah, few years samples. or something. Yeah, and literally he was like starting to call me Sambles, and I, I thought it. that was like the funniest nickname. He always has the best one. Yeah. Like he comes up with the best stuff. So that was a good one. Mm-hmm. So all right, that's like my 21 day challenge to myself. If okay. you are uh, in shambles like me, try it out. Okay, Let's do it together. Yeah, people. I love this. Okay. <laughs> unpopular opinion unpopular opinion he's gonna pop off again she's spicier than i am on unpopular opinion this one i'm very very spicy <laughs> on okay so um it came up this week because so my husband asked me what i was getting my father for father's day and i looked at him and i was like nothing and he was like, sh- you know, and this, he was like shocked. He's like, wait, what? And I was like, we have been together for five years. And I don't know the last time that I bought my dad something for Father's Day. Okay, where am I going with this? Unnecessary holidays. And the amount of things that are going on. Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Flag Day. All this, all of these Is crazy. I don't Yes, apparently. There is a day for everything. And like now it's, you know, all these crazy national this day, national that day, all this crazy. I'm here just... for National Donut Day. Don't shit on that one. Okay. Let me have that. And I'm here for a couple of things, right? Like the big ones, whatever. But just, okay, let's just Mother's Day, right? You have your mom and then you have your grandma and then you have... If you have a partner, you have his mom and you have his grandma. And then you have, oh, by the way, if they're divorced, then you have that stepmom. And that's your, it's like, it just starts becoming this absolute nightmare. And then it's like gift giving. And then you have to like go to this dinner that you don't really want to go to. No, and you, you have, have to hop from dinner to dinner, from like lunch to dinner. Yes. And it's just, to me, it's just so annoying. And then let's just tack this on. Let's tack on the baby showers. Let's tack on the, the bridal showers. Let's tack it on. It just starts becoming absolutely insane. Can we talk about sprinkles? Oh, okay. Let's go there. Unpopular opinion. Oh. I fucking hate sprinkles. What? 
Cupcakes? No, fuck. I love oh, a sprinkles. Cupcake. Oh, <laughs> a baby shower, and then you have a sprinkle. Oh, yeah, I'm so there with you. A sprinkle oh, God. is when you had your first baby shower, and now you're having another kid, so you don't have a full on baby shower. You have a sprinkle. But what the fuck is a sprinkle? Because how do you do a baby a diet version? of Right, a baby like you're shower? not gonna not get them something or like I, yeah, yeah, you're gonna get them the same type. Maybe it's a different type of gift, but you're gonna end up spending the same amount of money on a gift as a sprinkle as you would a baby shower. And then if you're hosting the sprinkle for someone you're spending the same amount on food decor it like ends up being literally the same thing thing. just you put a little name on it so it doesn't sound yeah and sorry if I've offended you because you've had a sprinkle I'm very happy for your baby (laughs) but like what the fuck when does it stop because then it's like and then now you have birthday parties for all of them okay and here's the thing I I am the believer gender reveals I fucking hate gender reveal parties I'm gonna say it and I know that most of our listeners are women and I know you guys have all probably had gender reveals I think they're great it's exciting but like no one gives a fuck about the gender of your baby except for you I guess maybe because I'm a NICU nurse I'm like does it have ambiguous genitalia? Can I no? just tell you? Then you are good. It has I, 10 toes. You're good, fam. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. Like, okay. Can I just tell you eventually, hopefully down the line, when we have children one day. We're going to eat our words. The hate. No. Because <laughs> we have like the biggest gender reveal in the history. Tori no. sets California on fire with her gender reveal. Oh my God. Could you imagine? Um, No. When I, I'm like baby shower in my head is I want, I, the idea of opening gifts in front of somebody absolutely not i want to throw the most chic amazing like dinner or something just overly yes i'm like i want absolutely no baby no games none of this i hate games i hate games i hate games so we just had my sister's bridal shower and my other sister that was kind of the one planning the whole thing even said don't worry sam the games aren't like it was like a game that you could do like kind of solo independently at the table. No, I hate those. I know, but I hate the games where it requires you to interact. I hate those too. Any <laughs> game where I have to stand up and move, like switch chairs. No. Or like actively participate that. and interrupt. If you have to interrupt my conversation to make me play a game, I'm going to be salty. No, I am I can't. You know, I just, I just, the whole thing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. This but is what? why it's called Unpopular Opinions. We're not judging you if you did no, these things, wait, but wait. also okay. don't invite me to your shower. I am of the opinion that life is a big party, right? Like I really do love celebrating things like, but I just think that we've gotten into that like cookie cutter annoying. Pinterest. Yes. It's Everything like. Everything has to be a fucking Pinterest party. Yes. And it has to be better than the other person's shower that you Like to, to me now. I just like kind of the idea of having like my five best friends and like, you know what I mean? Like just change it up. Can I just tell you as someone who's like been engaged, had a wedding planned and my wedding was like, you, I know you Malibu. We were going to do Malibu. It was was like, there's going to be a fucking giraffe at cocktail hour. (laughs) Can we just talk about how fucking extra (laughs) your dress is gorgeous. Yeah, still, still is. <laughs> Does anyone want to marry? Still me? is. We might actually be using it. It's fine. Sure, well, I have no. I'm gonna marry my. So, like, I had you know the dream wedding. Like, it was beyond gorgeous. It was gonna be like this picture perfect, beautiful thing. If I were to ever get married now, I swear to God, destination 
wedding. Like the only reason I wouldn't do elopement is because like I do love some of my people, but I would want to go somewhere so far away and expensive that like literally it would alienate half the people I know that they physically couldn't <laughs> take the time or have the money to go to it so that only like five people could be That's there. That's the right way. Because I'm a dick now. Yeah. But I just like my my priorities have changed and shifted. If I ever actually meet someone and fall in love and now I'm starting to get nauseous thinking about all that. But <laughs> I would literally just want the wedding to be yeah, not about all the things that it was about the first time yeah. around that I thought I was going to have it. 100%. Like, I would just want to disappear on the other side of the world and have just a few people there and call it a day. I like, did I'm love so our moment. Over but all the like yeah. typical yeah. shit. Yeah. I did love our moment, but I will say like if I had to do it over again, I would agree. That's what I, I would do exactly that. Or just something where it's. I love that. I love the destination wedding moment. It's great. Yeah, I would. I, this like totally morphed from holidays to just yeah, but unnecessary holidays. Events. Okay, and just I don't know. The expectations to me are just psychotic. Like, to, why do we have to get a gift for every single person? Why do you? Have to, I mean, it's just like, I'm can poor. we just enjoy being with each other and like not, you know what I mean? Or, or how about just celebrating mom on a random day and just like love her on like treat her to something on a day just why does it have to be on fucking mother's day yeah that holiday that hallmark decided that it was like the day that we celebrate them yeah they're raking it up on valentine's oh my day, god so. i know valentine's day is a shame i love my mom every day okay oh <laughs> you're such a good daughter anyway um holidays are often overrated and unnecessary <laughs> okay and we are getting into it the guest of the week like we said though this is by far my personal favorite episode that we've recorded honestly we got so many good takeaways and we even have like resources for you from this that are going to be linked in our show notes so we had um dr shamala on she's an ex-therapist turned mindset and leadership strategist she has like 20 years experience talking about mindset communication and relationship management training and she really specializes in like high-powered women which i think is amazing yes. for this audience mm -hmm. i know you guys are really gonna resonate with her the way that tori and i did she's also founder of the eq code it's a six-month like incubator program designed for women who are ready to communicate fearlessly master their emotions and elevate their relationships and honestly oh this is a new this. level yes. yeah today we're getting into emotional intelligence fearless communication elevating relationships she's also the founder of the Cairo psychotherapy clinic she's served on the board of directors for the ontario association for marriage and family therapy she also hosts her podcast the confessions of an ex-therapist and is the founder of the eq code she is a clinically trained emotional intelligence expert. And today, you guys, we are getting into it. We are so excited to have Dr. Shamala on. So without further ado, let's dive into the show. Okay, so one of the things that I loved about you, so I found you on Instagram and I was like, okay, I, we, first of all, your page is your aesthetic is amazing. And then I started digging into your website. And what I thought was super cool um, is you spoke to, you know, being a wife and then, you know, landing your doctorate, being this powerhouse woman, and then enter motherhood. 
and the unravel. And I just thought it was so raw. It was so real. And I think this is so, so like something that so many of us millennial and soon to be Gen Z women face. Can you speak to this a little bit? Because I think it's just happening over and over and over these expectations. And I just love how open and raw you are about it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great place to jump in because I would say, um, so I've been, I had been in practice for almost two decades. Right. And so I became my daughter's 11 and a half now. So that was like over a decade ago. Um, when I talk about that moment and those moments and, you know, all that unraveled, like what that was like for me. So now when I look back on it, I didn't realize it was happening, right? Like when you're in it, you're in it. And there's like the day to day of life. And there's the, you got to put one foot in front of the other. And, you know, there are patients at the clinic and there's, you know what I mean? Like there's just stuff you have to keep doing. So I didn't quite realize it was happening at the moment. And interestingly, or in the moments, I should say, because it happened obviously over multiple moments. But I think, you know, interestingly, as I look back on that time in my life, I think part of what allowed me to see what was going on for myself internally was two things. One, um, having a daughter, like she was like a mirror that held, it was like, she was constantly holding this mirror up to me and my stuff. And I couldn't deny or hide where I was feeling fragile, right? right. Where I was like, not feeling like that powerhouse. So th that was mm -hmm. one piece of it. The second piece of it, interestingly enough, is my practice at the time, and it, it continued to grow in this way, was I served a lot of really high performing, high achieving type A um, women, right? Like I worked with a lot of clinicians in my practice, practitioners, CEOs, entrepreneurs. Um, and I was seeing a similar trend with them where they were able to show up with such confidence and own their space so powerfully, perhaps in the professional setting, but their personal lives weren't quite matching that level of success and satisfaction. Mm -hmm. I feel attacked. <laughs> God, well, and so you know what's funny is like, so here I am as a clinician, I'm sitting in my, you know, beautiful office across from these incredible women. And I like, I would feel it as well. Right. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh shit. Like this is a, like, there's a parallel journey going on here. And I felt it so viscerally. So I think it was this combination of things that was happening you know, during my life at that time, I was, you know, in my, you know, early thirties then. And so I, I, it just really became evident to me that as professional women, the way that we show up professionally doesn't always translate well personally. Yeah. It was just something I kept seeing like oh. over and over and over. Oh, and I was caught in it too. Yeah. I mean, I just think that, I mean, you're speaking to our soul right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, let's, let's dive in. Let's keep going with this. I yeah. About yeah. It. So I want to go back to early days and, you know, your background. So can you tell us a little bit about um, your background, where you grew up and how you got into initially psychotherapy and then now? You guys are in the States. I'm Canadian. So I pretty much grew up in Toronto. Um, and I got into psychotherapy. Actually, before I got into psychotherapy, I was working in human resources um, for one of the big banks here in Canada on the back end. And I was doing a lot of training and development and hiring and that kind of thing. And so I always loved working with people. 
And what I was finding when I was in this really corporate role is what fascinated me more than anything else was the backstory. Like what was the back, what was the backstory of the person that I was sitting across from? And so that is how I ended up pursuing a career in psychotherapy and then doing my master's. Then I did my doctorate doctorate specifically in couple and family therapy. So I ended up going really niche with, with my education, right? So most therapists hold a master's level degree. Like that's the, that's the requirement to be licensed. But I really was fascinated with the backstory. Like I was fascinated with, particularly for women, how our identity is shaped by our relationships. And the context in which you guys are nodding, (laughs) I'm loving it, right? Like we're we're truly our self image, like Mm -hmm. how we experience ourselves in the world is so profoundly shaped by our primary relationship. So that's what we would call family of origin, the family that we grew up in, but also those early, um, intimate relationships, right? Like all of these pieces truly do shape how we show up today. And I like was so truly genuinely fascinated with understanding, like what were those points of intersections? Like what were those narratives? What were those subconscious scripts, right? Like what are those downloads that we carry that were downloaded into our subconscious mind at a time where we didn't get to choose. So can you even kind of tell us a little bit what is psychotherapy and kind of dive more into that? Because I don't think a lot of people even know. Sure, for sure. So when you think about um, mental health, there's several different areas within mental health. So one distinction I will make with psychotherapy, and there's several different distinctions that we can make, but the first distinction is um, psychotherapy, psychotherapists do not prescribe medication. Okay, so that's an important distinction, I think, to make. We have psychiatrists that are medical doctors, that their specialty is assessment, diagnosis, and prescription of medication, if that's what makes sense, and and case management and patient management from that perspective. Psychotherapy is very different in the sense that we use um, evidence-based methodologies and interventions and, you know, therapies to help to essentially, the way I would describe it is to um, reprogram a, if you're going to go deep with psychotherapy, like there's all different, right? Brief solution focused, but the type of psychotherapy that we practice in my clinic, the type that I practice is really to reprogram a person at the level of their subconscious mind so that they are rewiring the old thinking that's not working for them. That doesn't mean our clients don't use medication as part of their treatment. They very well might, but the research and evidence is clear that the most effective way to treat mental health is if you're going to take medication is to couple it with cognitive behavioral therapy is to really reprogram, right? And to, yeah. to sort of do that beneath the what I call beneath the surface kind of work. Yeah, it's super interesting. So I got really recently reintroduced to this whole idea by watching this series um, called Couples Therapy on, I think it's on HBO. And it's essentially, it's a, a psychotherapist, um, I forget her name, and you go through a series with her on her working with these couples. 
And it's really interesting the way that they film it because they'll film film it by, you know, production, which is where you like love the couple with the first episode. And then the second episode, you kind of dive into their issues. And then you kind of like look at the person and you say, oh, I don't like this person because they did that, you know, and then you kind of like get this dynamic. And then the next episode, they start deep diving into okay, well, why did that happen? And then you start going into their backgrounds and then you start going into their coping mechanisms. And it's like so crazy to watch this because every session you watch with this couple, it's going deeper and deeper and deeper. And then by the end of it, you're just you're like, oh my God, I see these things in myself. I'm doing that. I'm struggling with these kinds of things, this mental health issue, this issue in my relationship, in my family. And it's such an interesting thing because I guess I never really saw therapy in that way. And here we are, we're we're medical providers and we preach therapy all the time. But I'm just so deeply passionate about it because I think we just don't get to those root causes. That's it. That's it. Right. And that's it. It's the it is really and truly about the root cause. And where where does the root cause actually lie? It lies in our subconscious programming. Right. So unless you go there, you're not going to get to the root cause and you're not going to be able to experience long-term sustainable change. Like, and that's, that for me was always really, really important. And it still is in the coaching work that I do, right? It's the whole idea of long-term sustainable change, right? It's not band-aid solutions. It's not like, okay, I've figured out how to deal with this last breakup. And, and then I'm just going to go like repeat it all over again. Yeah. Right. Like how do you actually break patterns? How do you actually show up differently? I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> if you could drop some knowledge. <laughs> this is the thing, right? Is right. we don't. Like unless unless we reprogram, rewire those patterns. Because relationship patterns, like they're connected to our self-image, right? Like yeah. the way you show yeah. up in your relationships is totally connected to how you see yourself. I think there's such a bigger underlying too of how you said just reprogram your subconscious because I was talking to someone the other day about just mindset and like the power of positive thinking. I don't feel like I'm naturally a very positive person. Like I'm and I was like, I don't know where that comes from. I think somewhere in my subconscious, though, if I like am faced with a situation, my just internal way of thinking goes to just like the glass is half empty. And I think some people naturally go to that glass is half full. And I have had to like think about it and put like a constant emphasis and like effort and intention behind my thought processes this year to shift that way of thinking. But since I've done that, like everything has changed this year. And I feel like Tori's kind of even picked up on that. Like, and some people around me are like, you're just different lately, like your attitude and your way of thinking. And I'm like, yeah, it's comes with like that intrinsic, like, or subconscious that you're talking about, but it's so hard to like tap into that. Sam, I want to challenge something you said. I love everything you said, Mm -hmm. but there's one thing that you said I really disagree with. Oh, I want to hear it's that some people naturally do it. And I don't think that's true. I, I agree with you in that sense. I think it becomes your natural. Yes. Like it can become a, your new normal, yes. right? But it's a choice. It's yeah. 100% a choice. It's not an easy choice. It's a choice you have to keep making like a million times a day. Yeah. I think it's like a nature versus nurture thing. I don't think how I said some people are naturally like that. Like, I don't think you're born that way. But I think for whatever reason, 
that's become your normal. And that's why it becomes so hard to break into because you have to fight that, that normal for you, even though, but it is like a choice because it can be broken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that you like brought that up. Can I drop some stats? Yeah. Yes, please. We love. So what you're talking about, Sam, is being intentional about your thinking. And something's happened. You've made a decision that you're going to be intentional about your thinking, what you're saying to yourself, your inner dialogue, right? Yeah. So here's the thing. So what we know is if we are not intentional about our thinking, we know that over 80% of our thoughts will be negative. And whether that's a judgment wow. on somebody oh, else, like just, yeah. right? Like, and it could right. be things like, you know, shit, it's raining. Like it could be anything, like right. it just, right. but 80% will be negative and over 98% will simply be repeated thoughts from the previous day. Wow. And we just do this every day. And you just get stuck in that, like stuck because that's oh. the programming, right? right? Like it's not like one day you're going to like, I'm so not tech savvy, but you're going to like boot up your computer and there's going to be like this brand new program. Like, yeah, 100%. So many people, I think everyone has a story. Everyone comes from some sort of PTSD in their life. And as you said, like I, that's, that statistic is like mind blowing to me. How do you start moving forward from that? In some ways, unless we're intentional, if I were to just tie back what we're talking about, like if we're, unless we're intentional about what we're saying to ourselves, we're just going to keep repeating. Okay. So then let's layer on trauma, right? So if we're to layer on trauma, what trauma does, PTSD, is it simply makes those patterns even more fixed and rigid. So they were all like, they already have the potentiality to be super fixed, super rigid, right? I'm just going to keep repeating the same things. If I'm not intentional about it, if I'm not aware, you know what I'm saying? If I don't have good practices in my life, just going to keep repeating the old stuff. You layer on something like trauma. And what trauma does is it's like, it just, it almost like it congeals the whole thing. Right. Right. You get what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. how do you begin to now get unstuck? you actually have to work a little harder. Like that's just the reality, right? Like it's, and it's multiple practices that allow you to reprogram and rewire. And so some of those practices for sure are cognitive, but then some of them are, are behavioral, like exercise, right? You guys are right Mm -hmm. into, you're in the physical health field. Like we know that exercise um, really does help us to boost our moods. Right. It can be like, who do we surround ourselves with? Right. Sometimes it is medication. You know, it's doing that deeper work, the trauma work to really process what's keeping us stuck. To talk about it when process simply means talking about it with a professional. A big theme that you really touch on and I think is also really interesting is emotional intelligence. Like that, that's a huge key piece of what you talk about. Can you dive into that a little bit about maybe just kind of honing in on what it is specifically and then how we apply it to marriage, dating, our careers as women. I'm so glad you asked because this is the thing that I get super stoked and super excited about. And I don't think I realized how passionate I was about EQ. So EQ is the like um, short form for emotional intelligence, which is funny. I don't know why they called it EQ, but they did. Um, it's just to say that it's not IQ, right? It's it's the emotion. Like that's why, I think that's why, anyway. Yes. But at, at the end of the day, um, what is it essentially? It's made up of a set of skills 
And there's a few components and elements of emotional intelligence that are really important for us to understand. So the first piece of emotional intelligence is about self-awareness and self-management. Okay. So it's about how aware are you of you and how do you manage yourself? Like, so how do you manage your emotions? How do you manage your thoughts? How do you manage your reactions? Right. How do you, how do you self-regulate? So those two pieces, self-awareness, self-management or self-regulation, then the other piece, the other side of emotional intelligence is other awareness and relationship management, or how do you navigate your relationships, right? So how attuned are you with the other people in your life? In a conversation, are you attuned with body language, facial expression, tone of voice? Like, are you attuned with the energy of the other person? And then how do you then manage that? So if we want to make this super simple, practical for your audience, think about a relationship, a dating relationship, right? This is where I think emotional intelligence is so critical. And it's a skill that we're not teaching women, right? Like we're giving them like five tips to whatever it is, but like it's the emotional intelligence that's often missing, Mm -hmm. right? And that's probably the hardest to master, Right. Or to like understand, you know, how do you reprogram that? You know, it's just, it's just, you know, what's funny. I say to my clients all the time, like what I'm teaching you is really, it's not rocket science. It's really, um, not difficult to do. There's simple shifts that we can make. However, they require a lot of consistency, just like anything else. And you got to practice it. It's also not talked about, though. Right. Like, I just think it's that not. I think some people are probably listening to this episode right now, and it's the first they're probably even hearing about emotional intelligence, or maybe they've heard the phrase, but they haven't really gotten an understanding of what it even means. Yes. Yes. And I like I love talking about this. And it's so funny because I was talking with this um, other other thing that I was being interviewed for, and I was like, well you know, for me, emotional intelligence just seems like such a common term and such a common phrase. And the women in this group were like, but no, like we don't really understand what it is. Right. And so then it begins to impact us in negative ways. So if we're to go back to that example of the relationship you're dating, if you are anxious in a relationship, so let's say you just feel like you're like not good enough, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Love never lasts, never going to meet the right person. Like, um, you know, men always leave, like whatever, whatever old narratives you have, that's going to create, let's say anxiety. Mm -hmm. So we would call that anxious attachment. It's an attachment. It's a relationship style. It's anxious attachment. Typically what happens is people that are anxiously attached right? They attract partners that are avoidantly attached and it becomes a cat and mouse. So the anxiously attached, let's just say woman for the sake of argument, tends to pursue their, their partner for connection, pursue, 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 like text, like when do you want to go out, whatever it is, like they're pursuing for connection. And what that invites in the other person is for them to withdraw. It's a really good example of a pattern of stuckness that a lot of women find themselves in and they don't know how to, like, they're like, I don't know how to get unstuck. Right. Like, do I play hard to get? It's like, no, like that actually doesn't solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It like goes back to the like self-awareness, self-management, other awareness and relationship management. So when you bring up self-awareness, can you maybe speak on how someone would maybe even 
get in touch with that with themselves or discover or become more self-aware? Like what steps or things can they do to even figure that piece of themselves out? When I work with people, the question you're asking is actually the foundational skill set that we work on. So that's where we have to start. And the, the way that you do it, I call it emotional mastery, right? And the way that we do it is we begin to really tune in to our triggers and our emotional react. So we have emotional reactivity, which for me is the opposite of emotional intelligence, mm. right? So the, the emotional reactivities that we have, and they happen throughout the day, right? For most of us, like we've got, we get reactions, we get an email we don't like, react, we get, we react, mm -hmm. you know, somebody says something in a way that we don't like, we react. So these are all emotional reactions that happen. We often ignore them. We often ignore them, don't pay attention to them. We soothe them with other things like we distract ourselves or we might eat emotionally or we might have a glass of wine at the end of the day. There's all sorts of different ways that we try to move away from the uncomfortable feeling of emotional reactivity rather than build our emotional intelligence. So the first step, such a great question is, what am I feeling and what just caused it? So when I get an email that pops up on my screen from whoever it is, right? And I like, that stresses me or it makes me anxious, right? Like it's a conversation I don't want to have. What, what actually happens? Okay, so that's the feeling. That's where you want to start with emotional mastery. Then you want to identify the thought that drives that feeling. The thought that drives that feeling. Because every single feeling we have originates from a thought. We're just not aware of it because it happens so quickly and it's mm -hmm. automatic. So let's say it's like anxious. I feel anxious because I think. So that's a tool that your audience could use to actually identify and increase that self-awareness. Is there some sort of, I don't know, like a common thread that you would see that couples go through or things or maybe barriers that you see and how they usually handle them to come over it. Like, is there something that you see in those partnerships that are things that we should be avoiding or ways to work? You know what I mean? So some of the most common pieces of relationship management that I look at is communication style. So I often talk about, you, you guys will hear me talk about communication, fearless communication, you know, communicating with courage and integrity. What does that look like? So there's four different types of communication. There's four different styles of communication. There's passive communication, right? You don't share what you think, feel, want, need, desire. Like you just keep it all inside. It builds a lot of resentment. Hi. <laughs> just kidding. You can imagine the, the emotional charge, of, of, but it's, it is actually a style of communication. You're not saying anything, yeah. but you're still communicating. Then there's aggressive communication, which is I have to control the outcome. Aggressive communication is not always loud and swearing and yelling. It's not always that. Aggressive communication is marked by um, being tied to the outcome and things have to go my way. So I'm going to make sure. I get this outcome met. Not a lot of freedom in those relationships. Then there's passive aggressive communication, which a lot of women fall into this style. Mm -hmm. So passive aggressive communication is I want to get my need met. I want things to go a certain way, but I'm never going to tell you directly that I want it. We want them to be mind readers. <laughs> yes. We want them to be mind readers yes. or we get really manipulative, right? Yeah. Like we Ooh. want to manipulate the outcome without ever taking responsibility for it or asking for it. And then there's the assertive style, which is the style that we really want to adopt, which means that we are emotionally regulated, 
right? We are able to clearly ask for what we want from that place of emotional regulation. So it's not aggressive, right? It's, it's like calm, right? We're, we're calm when we're doing like, we're genuinely calm and the other person has the freedom to say no. Do you have some good tips as to how to achieve that? I was that? just going to ask that. I'm like, <laughs> I want to write these down and keep them in my wallet. Yeah. We're taking notes this whole yes. time. I'm like. And I'm going to I'm gonna give you guys, I don't know if um, my assistant sent it over, but I'll give you guys a freebie to share with your audience oh, thank you. um, on emotional mastery. Yeah. It's like a 10 page guide. Um, awesome. So. Love that. Yeah, I'll send that uh, link to you guys or we'll, we'll get it over to you. But first, I think what we need to understand is identify which toxic style of communication you most often fall into, right? So it's usually like we usually default to one of the toxic styles, passive, um, aggressive or passive aggressive. So that's the first thing is just notice that because then you can catch yourself when you're about to do it, mm. right? Because it takes a lot, like it takes a lot of practice to not do that and okay. do something else instead, right? Then you wanna get really clear on what does it look like to communicate assertively, but not just what does it look like from a behavioral perspective, but what does it feel like? Cause it feels very different to communicate assertively. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Like it actually feels, it feels good. It's very empowering. Like the, the energy of it is different. Yeah. Right. And it actually really improves your self image. So, assertive communication um, is always self regulated. Like, that's the first thing. And I, the word that I, the, the word that I use to describe it is calm. There's a mm-hmm. calmness to assertive communication. The second thing is there's a clarity to assertive communication. What, what do I mean by clarity is you're not mincing your words. You know, I feel, you're not like, oh, you know, I was thinking about this thing and like, yeah, I know you asked me to do um, this project and I was just looking at the schedule and, you know, it's summer, like, right. I'm dancing around the topic rather than saying, Hey, you know, you, you assign this task to me, how to look at my schedule. I don't think it's possible for me to do it by that deadline. Can we look at an alternative date, right? So there's a lot of clarity that's required and involved in communicating assertively. And then the third thing is confidence, is, is, is you want to communicate confidently. And here's the thing about communicating confidently is the confidence comes from letting go of the outcome. Mm, that's so that's hard to do. So, yeah. And this ah. is what I mean, like it's, it's the practice, like it's, but it yeah. gets, I promise you, it really does get easier with practice. It really, and then you're like, why was I ever like communicating the other way before? Like, why was I doing that? Yeah, no, it's so interesting. So does letting go of the outcome, I mean, I get it, but I'm like, how? Like, is it, is, <laughs> are you saying essentially like letting go of expectations almost? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, cause in my head, I almost feel like I use that as a coping mechanism. Like, you know, there's so many times where I say, okay, I'm going to do this. And I just mentally have to be like, I don't care what the outcome is going to be. I just, I'm going to do it, whatever it is. And so it's interesting. I don't know if that's like a coping mechanism of me being like, just the way that I operate, but is that kind of where you're going with it? Where you're just like, okay, I'm not going to put an expectation on this or like what's going to happen because of it? Yes. Tori, can I coach you for a moment? Yes. <laughs> Here we go. We're <laughs> Best session for both of us yes. ever. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yes and no. So the thing you said is I'm going to do this thing and I don't care how it goes. That's not true. Of course we care. Yeah, right. Got you there. Yeah, Got yeah. There. <laughs> if I ask you for something, it's right. because I want it. 
right? Yeah. So what you don't want to do is feed yourself. I think, you know, we touched on this a little bit. I think when we were booking this podcast interview, toxic positivity, mm-hmm. like don't tell yourself you're okay with it when you're really not like, don't tell yourself you don't care. Yeah. That sounds like a defense mechanism or like protective. Totally. Right. It's protective like, strategy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's protect. She's, she's therapizing you now. <laughs> now your co-host is like, <laughs> <laughs> I was right? a psych major before nothing, just saying. <laughs> right? So, so it's okay to say, this is what I really want. Mm-hmm. Assertive, confident communication, like emotionally intelligent communication. That's the language I like to use is saying, I really want this. And I ha- I'm going to have the courage and the integrity to ask for this, regardless of whether or not I get it. So let me tell you a story. I used to um, really and truly, I used to, the way I made decisions about which conversations I was going to have is, do I think I'm going to get what I want? And if the answer was no, I don't think I'm going to get what I want. Then I was like, meh, why bother? Yeah, that sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) But that's how I made decisions. And guess what happened is I was not authentic in my relationships. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And I was, I was never able to craft, like co-craft the kind of relationship that I wanted. Mm. Right. Cause I was always like chameleoning myself to like, am I going to get it? Am I not going to get it? Is it going to go this way? Is it not going to go that way? And that's how I made decisions. I think that, or even like how Tori was saying that, well, I just, I don't care what the outcome is when you really do. It's all a protection of trying to avoid disappointment. Yes. And I hate like, I hate the feeling of disappointment. So I've always done everything in my power to avoid being let down, whether it's saying, I don't care when I really do care. And so trying to convince myself I don't care or then just avoiding it altogether if it might lead to disappointment. Right. 100%. Disappointment is so important, guys, because here's what we're taught. We're taught that disappointment is bad. Mm -hmm. Conflict is bad. Mm -hmm. Letting a person down or being let down is bad. But what if it wasn't? What if mm-hmm. it was okay? Mm-hmm. What if like your partner's right. allowed to disappoint you and you're allowed to disappoint your partner? Right. I feel like that challenges like everything that we've just been raised to know. Yeah. 100%. Right. But we know that like thrive, like not just like okay relationships, but like thriving, optimized, elevated relationships happen mm-hmm. between two people that give each other the freedom to say no, to disappoint, to let down, like all of those things. And where conflict is actually okay. So when you were originally thinking these things, right, your mindset was, which it sounds similar to mine, where you have this way of thinking, how did you switch your thinking? Like what what kind of ways, like, how did you be like, okay, I'm going from this way of thinking to that way to establish a better way of, of maneuvering these outcomes or like your expectations of those outcomes? Change only happens when we want it and we're ready for it, right? So if, you know, there's audiences listening, if you're at a place where you're listening to this conversation and you're like, huh, that sounds kind of interesting, like, hmm. Maybe, right? Yeah. I think that's the starting place. It's like, maybe. And so that's where I started. I was like, huh, maybe it could be different. Like maybe it doesn't have to be the way I was raised or the way culture told me or the way society told me or the way movies told me. Like maybe this is not what a perfect relationship looks like. And the the reason I got there is because I realized and recognized that I was spinning my wheels trying to do it the old way. And I was exhausted. I was miserable. 
right? Like I've been married now to my partner for, I think it's almost 13 years, right? Almost 13 years. Our marriage is not perfect, but oh my God, it is so much better than when we started. And so much of it has to do with me having the courage to allow the relationship more freedom and him more freedom to disappoint, to let down, to say no, like conflict can exist and it's not the end of the world. It used to be though. Yeah. Right. Cause that's how I was raised. Like I was literally raised that conflict is bad. It's wrong. Yeah. You should, like it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a red flag. I think for people that are like kind of highly emotional, I would consider myself a more like emotional person. I was a middle child. So I was always labeled the sensitive one growing up. And I was more just, I'm you like, like to pop off. Oh, I was just like <laughs> at a very, like a highly, a, a highly emotional child though. But then I feel like from growing up and being the emotional one, it was always, well, that's bad. You're dramatic. Mm-hmm. You're this, you're that. And I've always been then kind of grown up with like label. My whole life is the drama queen in the family or oversensitive. And it's bad to mm-hmm. feel mm-hmm. your emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. So the, the, you can already hear like how there are so, oh, there's so many <laughs> old, unhelpful, I call them narratives or mm-hmm. scripts, right. stories, right? Like there's so, and they, they don't help us. They really do hurt us. So I, I want to go back to your question because it was such a good one. Like, where do you start is I think you just mm-hmm. start with a, like, if something here is resonating, then you're probably at a place where you're ready to at least explore an alternative way of thinking about yourself and your relationships, which Mm -hmm. is beautiful, right? And just give yourself the freedom to ask yourself, well, what if X and Y, Z, X, Y, Z wasn't true? So what if conflict wasn't bad? What if independence was a good thing in a relationship? What if, right, we could have different opinions on something really important? Like, what if? And it begins to, like, broaden your perspective. So we know that a negative, toxic perspective typically is very narrow, right? So we want to just kind of open our minds to a, a different way of thinking and of seeing ourselves and our relationships. I'm curious because you touched on this a little bit too, toxic positivity. I think that this is just something that is, like, It's running rampant everywhere. I think that we see it in so many different areas. I think it gets shoved down our throats even in our work environment too and in nursing and healthcare because it's it's, you should just be positive 100% of the time. And it's like if things are wrong, it's like, well, because you have a bad attitude. Right. You know, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Before we get into that, though, I just want to take a quick minute to bring this up. We've talked about it here before, but it's something we don't highlight enough in healthcare, and that's about how to get your dream job and how to actually stand out and look good doing it. And we've talked about it here so many times, the Resume RX. Fill in the blank solutions for your resume and cover letter. So many professionals understand that it's so important to stand out against other applicants, but there's limited resources out there, especially ones that are useful. And Sam and I have both used these products. We swear by them. We love them. They are so easy. Fill in the blank. Make sure you guys head down to click the link in our bio. You can save 20% on your resume and cover letter. She also has some amazing online courses, templates, and resources for nurses and nurse practitioners as well. So make sure to check those out. I also want to talk about how obsessed I am 
with the cookie dough from Real Fat Foods. Oh my gosh. It was just absolutely at night, like two scoops. Okay, I've eaten all of it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Actually, no, I have some of the lemon one. So they're the three flavors that yeah. they have are peanut butter, like chocolate peanut butter cup, and then lemon. The lemon. The lemon for me. It was the peanut and peanut butter. I mean, I like the lemon, but the other two, I've eaten both bottles. It's yes. just like a spoonful here at night, a spoonful here at night, and then... So delicious. Oh you guys, we are talking real fat foods, clean ingredients, keto, gluten-free, grain-free, low-carb paleo, just these delicious dessert snacks that we have been eating before bed at night. I do two scoops, you know, before bed, just get that little edge off. It's so good. It's like a little pick-me-up. It is. It's a little deliciousness. Also, they're crackers. Oh, my God. If you want to elevate your charcuterie board situation, you need these crackers, especially the rosemary ones. The rosemary. The rosemary with brie. Mm. Holy shit. And the original are (laughs) so delicious, you guys. If you guys are interested in checking them out, head over to realfatfoods.com. Use code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E, for 10% off of your purchase. And we hope you guys enjoy your s- delicious snacks. Thank us later. Mm-hmm. I did. Um, I did a teaching on this earlier inside my private Facebook group. Not on not on toxic positivity, but on the idea that our I do believe our thoughts create our reality. Right? Like we co-create our reality through our thinking and our mindset. I absolutely believe that. And I also believe that we are deeply human and that things are going to happen that are beyond our control that are going to have an impact on us emotionally. And I believe that if we don't pay attention to how we're feeling, like our emotions, right? If we don't pay attention, make space for that, that's what creates that bottling up effect. And that's what creates emotional reactivity. It moves us away from emotional intelligence. One of the things I say to the women that I work with is like my ultimate goal for the women I coach is to help them move from emotional, emotionally reactive little girl to emotionally intelligent woman, right? But I know that if you're stuffing your feelings and trying to do some, like tell yourself something that you don't actually believe, it's going to create more emotional reactivity, right? Emotional intelligence is about being able to make choices and be responsive. It doesn't mean you like everything all the time and you're happy all the time. That's not what it means to me. You touched on also fearless communication. And I would love to just hear more about that because I know that's one of your big um, teaching points. Maybe some good tips on how to achieve that too. Yeah, for sure. So for me, I think I came to fearless communication just through understanding that one of the biggest contributors, I think, to decreased mental health in women was, and I think continues to be their inability to navigate their relationships with confidence and with ease, right? Like I I noticed that there was a correlation between decreased mental health and relationship distress for women, right? If their relationships were strained and stressed, especially their primary ones and also their professional ones, it had a negative impact on their mental health. And when I dug deeper, I came to understand that one of the biggest contributors to relationship distress was an inability to communicate effectively and to communicate fearlessly because so much of communication 
what to communicate, how to communicate, when to communicate for women, the decisions were made from a fear-based lens and from avoidance. Like I want to avoid conflict. I want to avoid hurting others. I want to avoid, avoid, avoid. I want to avoid feeling hurt. I don't want any tension. And so for me, fearless communication is, and I use these two words a lot in my work, fearless communication is about having the courage and the integrity to own and stand in your space, your position, your opinion, your whatever it is, regardless of the outcome. So we, t- we touched on this a little bit, right? This whole idea of like, regardless of the outcome. For me, that like that's a really powerful way that we can all begin to think about communicating more fearlessly, right? Is what do I need to say in this conversation, regardless of the outcome, regardless of whether the person is going to like it, regardless of whether they're going to agree, regard, right? Like regardless of any of those things, what is the thing that I need to communicate? And that for me is what fear, and there's, of course, I mean, a whole host of like micro skills around how do you say it and you know how do you self-regulate mm-hmm. and all of those sorts of things. But at the crux of it, fearless communication is really making decisions around what you're going to communicate, how you're going to communicate it, who you're going to communicate it to from a place of courage and from a place of integrity, not from a place of like, well, because remember, I was there too. I was like, well, am I going to get my way? If the answer is no, forget it. I'm not going to say yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like that's genuinely how I made decisions and relationships. I think a lot of us do. You know, I think that fear of being let down. I'm also curious your thoughts because another big theme that you really touch on, which I think actually links really well to this, is the idea of imposter syndrome, which I think so many people, specifically I do think women, but uh, really struggle with. I mean, this is just something with whether it's in relationships, in our careers, when we're starting something new, you know, it's just the idea that like, oh, this person's doing it so much better or, oh, that person is, they got that because they're so much whatever, smarter, better looking. They are more talented. Like how do you, I mean, imposter syndrome is just such a whole big thing that I think so many people deal with. So one I'll say, I think we are all feeling it a lot more now um, that everything is just online, like, right? Like the world is online, everything's on social. Like, so I, I think it's just a lot more in our faces. So I'll say that. I mean, at the core of it, what imposter syndrome is, um, is continued feelings of inadequacy despite evident successes. So you've had successes, you guys yeah. both have degrees, right? Like, you know, you've had these successes, mm-hmm. had these accomplishments, and you still feel like somehow you slipped through the cracks. Or like, you didn't really earn it. You don't really deserve it. Or like that person is, you know, way better at it than you, right? This is what imposter syndrome is at its core and at its its crux. Um, And imposter syndrome, again, goes back to our self-image. Our self-image is like, how do you see yourself, right? So if you see yourself at your core as I'm like, if you've got a a self-image or a narrative that says I'm not good enough, or I'll never be good enough, or I'm inadequate or whatever it is, regardless of how many successes or achievements you have, you're going to feel like an imposter. You're going to feel like you didn't quite earn it. You didn't quite, quite get it. Right. And it's something that I certainly um, struggled with as well. And it still comes up. And one of the things I often say to women is I find that every time we're about to, I talk 
with my, my private clients about achieving success at, at that next level. Like what, what does it look like to go from where you are to like that next level? And again, whether that's professionally or personally, right? Whether that's elevating yourself personally or professionally, what does that look like? And, and my belief is that every time we go from where we are to kind of that next level or where we want to go, really what needs to happen first is we have to grow and expand enough to become the woman who can embody those desires or those goals. And so there's this uncomfortable period that we experience from where we are and where we want to go. That's yeah. where we feel inadequate. And I, I normalize it for my clients. And I say, if you don't actually feel that every now and again, you're probably playing too small. You're probably staying in your comfort zone. So again, it's like, what if imposter syndrome wasn't this like thing that just reinforced that you're this shitty person who's like totally inadequate? What if imposter syndrome was like, oh, look, you're like taking a risk, right? You're playing a bigger game. You're, you're showing up. What if we could just look at it differently? So one of the things um, I have been talking about a little bit more lately with my community is if we can think about our goals, not as like that our goals don't exist for their achievement, but that our goals exist for us to personally grow and expand enough that we can actually embody them. So it's about our self-image growing to match our goals. I love that so much. Yeah, I know. Well, it's even the idea that once you've achieved that goal, you know, people who achieve whatever it is that that Olympian medal, it's like, and then they have this thing. It's like embracing what it is you're doing along the way and really trying to embody that. Like, okay, I'm an athlete. I'm doing all these things. I am that person. And I got the gold medal, but then it's like you have that like downfall. It's almost like I, I really love that idea of like just really embodying like who you are and what you're trying to do. And I, I just that message just resonates so, so strongly with me because I think, you know, focusing just on that one thing, you know, I just think it's just so much more valuable. It's a valuable tool for us. Yeah. And it's, you know, interesting because the area where I've really niched is what I would call like high powered, high performing women. And you know what I found is that the stuff we struggle with from a mindset perspective, even from a relationship management perspective, it's just a little bit different. Like it's just a little bit different when you decide you're going to play a big game. It just feels a little different. We bump up against these concepts more often. Like i feel like an imposter a lot. You know what I mean? Like I've been speaking and doing all this stuff for a long time, but you know, you guys mentioned it. Like I launched a podcast earlier and every single time I said I podcast mm -hmm. host, I'm like, but am I like, <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Totally. Like, oh my God. Even when I tell people like, yes. oh, like, especially now, like I'm in the dating world, which is like awful. But if I like, I don't really talk about the podcast, but it eventually it comes up because it's like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm going to record a podcast. Oh, you have a podcast. I feel weird because am I supposed to hype myself up and be like, yes, I am this badass that co-hosts this podcast and we are absolutely killing it. And these are our goals or I'm just, okay, just downplay it. Like, keep it yeah, cool. I know. Like, I just feel so weird about even being like, oh yeah, I have this podcast. I rock. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a weird, it's uncomfortable. It is very weird. I love that you just shared that, right? But Sam, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like in that like that moment where people ask like what are you doing the podcast and you haven't fully owned it like that's okay right it's just because you've put this set up this goal for yourself that's out here and what's so cool about that is now you get to grow 
to become the person that will one day totally own that she's a podcast host. And you'll say it with certainty. Consumes my life. It's like all yeah. we do. <laughs> But it's like, but literally, we have these other jobs. So if someone even is like, you know, in the whole getting to know you, like, what do you do? Well, I'm a college professor. I'm a nurse. And I kind of like have a podcast. Like, I don't mention it right off the bat. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, I have my little side thing. But no, my side thing is literally it's my thing. life. It's the yeah, thing. It's the, thing it's the main thing. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Your self image hasn't grown yet to match it, but it will. Yeah. Right. But it's Goals. just recognizing that. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's it. That's totally what it is. Yeah, that's such a like, I'm so glad you shared that because I think that's such a perfect example of how we can notice it. Like it's Mm -hmm. those moments where we say something or like, it's like you said you're in the dating world. (laughs) I'm something. Yeah. It's like, you know, that first (laughs) time, like you're, you know, you're dating someone and then it's, you know, you move from that stage of like casually to like, it's a little more serious. The first time you say my boyfriend. Mm. Oh, yeah. You're giving me anxiety. I'm getting anxiety right now. Oh God! I can't Man, wait for this day. Stop! That day's gonna happen. I can't wait. I'm getting itchy. The self the selfie show is gonna get another boyfriend. I can't oh, wait. I'm really curious about because you spoke about this on another podcast about the idea of showing up and like how to do that. And I'm really curious, like, how do we dig into that for our, like our self esteem, our self worth? Like, what are your best tips for showing yes, up? <laughs> and yeah, because I think it's just it's such a it's something that I think we all aim to do, but sometimes it's just so hard to yeah, do. I want to bring my A game to life. <laughs> so, I mean, and there's so many different arenas where I think we're called to show up, but I'll say, I'll, I'll give a few tips and a few things that have really worked for me. Like we're recording on video. Mm-hmm. One thing I do is I never, ever look at myself when I'm recording on video. And it sounds like a funny, right? Like, but I just purpose, and I can see myself out of the corner of my eye right now. <laughs> Yeah. Right. But I I just, I won't do it because the moment we do that, we become Uh, self-conscious and the moment we become self-conscious, we become self-critical. And the moment we become self-critical, we're no longer present and we're no longer showing up fully. So it's just a trick that I learned, right? Cause I've done some TV work, you know what I mean? And I, it's one of the things I've learned about being on camera is never look at yourself. Just Mm -hmm. don't, cause it will take you away from actually being the best version because the best version of yourself is that fully present version so you may have even noticed like even as I'm talking to you guys right now like I'm almost like turned away from like my side of Mm -hmm. the the video yeah like Mm -hmm. I want to be here with you Mm -hmm. so that's one like practical tip that I get asked a lot especially because so many of us now are on camera we're recording we're on social we're on all of those sorts of things so even like some sometimes people ask me like when you do your IG stories I feel like you're talking directly to my soul how do you do that I'm like I don't look at myself yeah that I was just gonna say that it's actually funny because I you know Sam and I that's partly what Instagram we love that's where we show up the most And that's a big trick that I've had to really hone in on is how to not look at myself because you're right. That it's so weird that you're saying this because it's literally like I've had to tune that out where I'm like, I will catch myself having to like stupidly re-recording things because I'm like, wow, that sounded dumb. And like, I just didn't want to, you know, I was like, that's cringy. Like I, you know, so it's almost like I have to take myself out of it. Like I can't even... It's not about me. That's the trick. That's it. Like you, we, we have to take ourselves. How do we show up is what gets in the way of us showing up is self-consciousness. What is mm-hmm. self-consciousness? It's really being hyper aware of yourself and being critical. Yeah. And it's the same thing, like really, you know, like when I think about public speaking, 
when it was stages and it wasn't on camera and stuff like that, how did I do it? Cause I actually genuinely had a, a huge fear of public speaking like growing up, like all the way into my 20s. Which is hard to imagine because you're such a, a great yeah. speaker. I could listen to you all day. <laughs> Me too. I kid you not when I say I would <clears throat> shake. Like I, I was one of those people that like my hands would shake, my voice would quiver. Oh my God, I could tell you so many stories. But how did I overcome that? I just got really, really laser focused on the people that I was speaking to. Mm. Like, and it's, it's such a simple trick, but it, it really does work is I would yeah. get laser focused on the audience. Right. And I would connect with them emotionally and their, their facial expressions and, you know, all those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And it's the best way to get really, really present. Like think about even social situations. you know, once you start dating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Your your partner invites you out, right? For like, a, I don't know, some kind of thing, like a mm. dinner or whatever, party with his friends. <laughs> okay. And what's the I'm first thing that happens is you start feeling self-conscious. Yes. I'm like a pretty confident, extroverted person, but yeah, mm. you, like it's so Internally. weird. But like, if you put me in a social situation where I don't know people, if I'm with my friends, I am the loudest, craziest person in the room. But if you take me out of that with someone I was dating and met their friends, I would be sitting there just so uncomfortable and so self-conscious and that's the thing it's self-conscious so as soon but self-consciousness is a choice mm -hmm. like you choose to focus on yourself oh get over yourself Ooh. samantha <laughs> get over look at yourself while you're doing ig stories and don't focus on yourself I when you're out with that. your partner and his friends that's but amazing. that truly is what it is right and it's it's if you can and the thing is here's the the funny thing about like relationships is people love it when you focus on them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you give another person like your undivided attention that energy is contagious yeah it is yeah i always have like a cell phone rule with any dates is turn it off and just don't even like look at it it's truly like if i could boil it down to like the simplest thing that i do to show up and really it's helped me overcome that fear is to just really give the space the person the conversation the whatever it is my undivided attention and it takes the attention away from me like my attention away from me. So that kind of leads me to one question because I know you work with a lot of very successful women and high level, high functioning women. And I think something that kind of sets that group of people apart is their ability to set and maintain boundaries, whether it's professional, mm. personal with relationships. Yes. And I just kind of want to get your take on that because that's Ugh. something I've been working really hard on this year is just having better boundaries. I mean, I even did that with Tori this week when it was coming to scheduling podcasts and I, like we kind of had overscheduled ourselves a little bit. And I was like, hey, this is too much. I cannot do this many interviews in a week like we need to. And I will say this, too, and I heard it and I I I 100 percent agreed with it or in the sense of even if I didn't agree with it, which I did because we were we were overbooked. But but it's just interesting because like I accepted that. And I think that's mm -hmm. a, it's a two way street. Yeah. And I think that's something that. Yeah, it's interesting, but and it's I a huge think the dynamic. way I approached it was just like it was actually like a communication style that you talk about, just like very assertive, like not emotional, not reactive. I was just like, hey, it we have direct, this yeah. many interviews. I can't do this many in a week. We need to change the way we schedule. And she was just like, oh, I totally agree. We'll do this. And it was the most simple conversation. But I think it bonded our partnership and yeah. the way that our relationship together so much better because there was such like a mutual respect there between us too. Yeah, because we've had our we've had our blowouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I, I just, think we've gotten yeah. better. It's interesting though, because I think 
to boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, it's hard to balance. Yeah. As women, like we have, we have, we're working women with we jobs, careers, try to have relationships. <laughs> but yeah, that's a huge aspect. Like, how do we do this? Yeah, how do I you get your, your take on boundaries? Yeah. First of all, I want to say, I'm so glad you brought this up. I almost like forgot about the whole boundaries thing, but I do talk about that. <laughs> but <clears throat> I'm so glad you brought it up. So here's the thing that is just critical to know and understand that if you are, going to like function at your best, whatever your best is, whatever your goals are, like whatever your aspirations are, if you're going to, to get there for lack of a better term, like you need boundaries they are just a non-negotiable. So if you've been living your life without boundaries until now, that has to change. It has Mm -hmm. to change. And so I think the first thing is just embracing and understanding that boundaries are good. Like they're so good for you. They're so good for you. Just like you guys, love that you guys had that little dialogue and shared how it went between the two of you. Like they're good for relationships. They make relationships better. The problem that we have often with setting boundaries is when we set boundaries, a couple of things happens. Usually it didn't happen in this case, but often the other person might not like it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we feel guilty. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we don't want either of those things. So we just don't set them. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I will often say to um, the women that I work with is, you know, because they always say to me like, oh, how do I set boundaries and not feel guilty? I'm like, you don't, you just set the boundary. (laughs) You're going to, you're going to feel a bit guilty. Yeah. And like every single time you'll like get more and more used to the guilt and you'll get over it sooner and you'll manage it, but it's just what happens. So don't Mm -hmm. wait until it's not going to feel good. Yeah. Especially if you've never done it. Like that was probably, I don't know, maybe it was hard for you, Sam, to, to say that to Tori. I mean, it it actually was because you don't want to disappoint your partner. We both pour our heart and soul into this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, we and I don't think either of us wants to feel like we're not carrying our weight or doing our part. Yeah. But at the same time, I got to protect my peace a little bit with not. I'm always the type that I'll put so much on my schedule to where I'm finally going insane. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for us, you know, this is we're so as a background we've been friends for eight years right and so we have that background but the but this dynamic is new and so it's interesting because and I think for so many women like we always want to appease each other like we both know I mean you know and I do feel like we both feel obligated to be like we're doing x amount to contribute to this situation and you know, it very easily because I, you know, on my end, I do the booking. Right. And so for her, I think she probably felt like, oh, my gosh, I, you know, she took the time to do that. But then I, you know, and so ultimately we're doing this for the the amazing selfie listeners. And I think I in my heart of hearts, I want both of us to show up the best that we possibly can. And I think that's a huge common theme that you talk about. And I think that's just something and that does include boundaries in our life. As I'm listening to you guys, like it's a non-negotiable in your relationship now, right? Like in my Mm -hmm. opinion, if you don't have clear boundaries and you, you don't have the, the understanding that it's okay to like renegotiate those boundaries when needed. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause there might be a yeah. time where you're like, you know what? I can take a little more or no, like, you know what I mean? I'm going through some stuff. I need, like, we need to slow down, whatever it is. Like that's, you need to like relationships are dynamic, mm-hmm. but your relationship is today. And the agreements that you have today aren't necessarily going to work for you in two months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's another right? so you good got, point. Yeah. Like you got to be willing to shift them. How do you do mm-hmm. it? The only way you can do that is if you are willing to, to negotiate and renegotiate the boundaries of the relationship. I think just 
having open lines of communication, which is why I love how you talk about communication so much because I'm just even comparing that back to like past relationships I've had with exes or even relationships going forward. And so many people don't keep those like lines of communication open. That's it. That's exactly what like really like I'm like, you know, I often get asked. So in the work that I do, I work on three pillars of emotional intelligence. So the first pillar is emotional mastery, which we've talked about, Mm -hmm. Um, communication skills, which we've also talked about. And that's why I'm like, so glad you brought up the boundaries because relationship management is a third thing. Mm -hmm. But all of those pieces um, are interwoven, right? You can't set boundaries without communication Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and without emotional mastery. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like they're all connected, yeah. And we need this. This is what this is what I mean when I say emotional intelligence. It's having the skills to intelligently navigate your life and your relationships. Can you tell us a little bit about your program? Because yeah. I think it's such a I wonderful program. Yeah, info. we want to hear more about this. So I transitioned out of an, you know, we touched on this, like I transitioned out of one-to-one psychotherapy care earlier this year, like officially um, transitioned out. It was a long time coming. And, you know, um, part of the reason for that is I have an amazing clinical team that still runs our psychotherapy clinic um, and they do an amazing job. I had been practicing for a long time and I was ready to, you know, experience and express a different part of myself, right? If Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Like, I think it's just a natural evolution that can happen for us, especially as clinicians or practitioners. Um, But the real reason I created my signature program, which is called, it's called the EQ code, which stands for the emotional intelligence code. It's for women um, is because I was finding that in one-to-one psychotherapy care. So if you guys have ever done therapy, like I've done therapy myself, Mm -hmm. even as a a client, um, Mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah, I I think everyone should at some point. Um, what I was finding though, with like busy, high, high performing professional women, I wasn't able to get enough traction with them in one-to-one care to deliver the outcomes that they were wanting. So I designed, that's when I decided to design the EQ code. So it's a six month incubator for high performing women who really want to leverage emotional intelligence to accomplish bigger goals. It could be to elevate their relationships, right? Communicate fearlessly, master their emotions, like the things that we're talking about today. It's literally like an intensive incubator where they work directly with me on these specific skills and they have access to, you know, my signature methodology, which is, um, you know, created into a course, like it's a framework. And then I coach them, um, directly inside the program. So we do mindset skills clinics. We do communication skills clinics. We do relationship management skills clinics. So they have the psychoeducation, right? Like the, the, like the teaching around Mm -hmm. what we've been talking about. And then we practice the skills. Amazing. I'm yes. like actually super personally interested. I know me I'm too. I'm like on this full mission to just be the best version of myself this year that I've like ever been on. And I've gone through a lot of changes in the last decade, but like this year I'm like, all right, the mindset is like that last piece that I haven't quite nailed down. And you know, I think I, I will say like, I think one of the like real gifts that has come out of this last year, which has been crazy for us on a global scale yeah. is that people are doubling down on themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Like I'm seeing that so yeah, much. Like people that. are really oh. like, you know what? Like I'm going to double down on me. Like, yeah, I, yes. I think that's a huge way of putting it. Like, I think we just realize, you know, what's important 
And I love that. And it's funny because you said the last piece of what you want to improve is your mindset. And I ironically think that's the most important piece. It is. Which is crazy. (laughs) Which is why I put it off the most. Yeah, we all do. It's so much easier to fix everything else. Totally. It's the best for us. Yeah, no, but it is. It's the most important, but it's also the hardest. It is. So I've kind of just been like, It's the most work. Yeah. It's the most work. Can I tell you about the freebie that I have for your audience? Okay. So I think it's 10 page. It's called uh, Emotional Mastery Checklist. So let me just quickly explain it because there's a lot of information in there. Um, So in the first part of my EQ code program, which we call mindset mastery. Um, in that course, I teach on four categories of emotional traps. Like I've just categorized them. These are cognitive distortions or like ways that we think that get us stuck. And so I've categorized them just so they're easy to remember, um, by anxiety provokers. So these are the specific cognitive distortions, thinking traps that will create anxiety for us. Mm. Then there's confidence killers. There's communication culprits and there are relationship toxins. So there's about three or four different emotional thinking traps within each one of these four categories. Mm -hmm. So in this 10 page guide, I go over all of them. I show you exactly like how they show up, how you can identify them so that you can actually begin to avoid what I call emotional traps. Because that's easy to get sucked into. So easy. easy. And, and it's, it's the, it's the, it's the place I start with all of my private clients is I teach them how to identify those traps so that they can get out of them. And what you'll find is you're probably getting caught more often than you realize throughout your day. Oh yeah. I, I, I feel like I start noticing that now I'm going to pay attention more to it because I think I agree. It's amazing how much time we waste even on these traps that you're talking about. They are. They're a time suck. They're an energy suck, right? Productivity suck, like all of that stuff. Oh my gosh. Yes. And we talk about that here a lot about, you know, just sort of, I love the idea of just putting your blinders on, just tune out bad energy, anything that's coming into your space that is hindering you from moving forward. I'm just like, put your blinders on and, you know, do whatever it is you want to do. And I love this. Like all of these techniques you're giving us, I just, every theme that you speak about, I just, you have, you are providing such an amazing tool for women. I just cannot say enough amazing things about you. Well, this has been so valuable. Like your time here today, yes. I cannot thank you enough. Where can everyone find all your resources, your program, find you? Yeah, on- shut yourself out everything. I think the easiest place always, like I'm always like, where do I send people is Instagram just because, um, and I'm sure you'll link it up. Like Mm -hmm. there's always like right now we're doing a five day, um, free training event called unlock the success habits of high powered women. I don't know when this episode drops, but you know, even if we don't have that particular event going on, whatever is going on, will be linked up in the bio on Instagram. I have a private Facebook community called the EQ lab, the emotional intelligence lab. It's just for women. And I teach in there every single week um, for free. And I, I teach on a different set of skills. Um, and then the freebie we'll, I'll, I'll give you guys the the freebie. And then at least that's a resource, like a tangible resource that you can print out and you can actually use immediately. We will link that not only in the show notes, but also on our Instagram, the link in the bio, we'll just put it right there for everybody and just, it'll be available to everyone. So thank you 
so much for your time. Thank you. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. How amazing was this episode? Oh my gosh. If this, if you don't walk away like enlightened from this, I don't know what to do. I don't know. This was so good. Thank you so much for being here with us today, you guys. Um, Just so you know, we have linked in the bio, the emotional mastery checklist. So if you are interested in that, you can head over to get your free 10 page guide and unlock the four power zones of emotional mastery that is linked in the bio. And then also, so the timing of this is excellent because she's actually doing a free five day intensive course. It starts on June 28th and runs through July 2nd, totally free. Um, It's to unlock the success habits for high powered women. So check that out. We also have the link in show notes for that. I'm pretty sure I'm going to do it. Yeah. It's wonderful. I'm like obsessed with everything she has to say. Yeah. Just every theme that she covers is just amazing. So thank you so much for being here with us, you guys, today. We had a great, great episode. And as always, you guys, make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. Check out everything in the bio. And make sure that you go leave us a review. We appreciate it so much. And if you include your Insta handle, we'll be sending out our swag bags. What was your favorite part of this episode? We want to hear it in the review. What did you What did you take away from it? Um, We just love hearing from you guys. Thank you so much for doing that. And actually, shout out. So if you guys are interested in any of the merch that is going on, and I'm talking the EKG hats, the vaccinated AF hats. Get them while you can because we are actually coming out with some new merch this summer. And we're going to be phasing out the old merch. Yeah, it's all out with the old in with the new. Out with the old in with the new. So, so if you if like you, the old, get mm-hmm. it while it's while it's fresh. Get it while it's hot. We have some amazing new things. We've been working with our graphic designers. It's been so much fun. We've been having a blast with it. So get hyped for that because mm-hmm. summer merch is coming. And where can they find us, Miss Samantha? You can follow me on Insta. That's at Hey Samantha with two A's. And at Nurse Tori. And we'll catch you guys next week. Bonus episode Friday. We'll catch you guys on Friday. Bye. Bye. Bye.